This is the Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Thursday, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you are listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. This is the date day edition of the program. That means Paula is live in studio with me. Uh, We'd love to have your questions, phone calls, anything and everything that's on your heart and mind. You can call us by dialing 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. Uh, if you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call us by dialing 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. That is all toll-free. You can also send questions in via email by sending them to questions at calvarysa.com. Uh, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Uh, just dial, um, uh, hit the oh, uh, banner at the top that says call now. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. If I sound like I don't know what I'm doing, I don't because we're having some technical problems on our end. But, uh, Paula, I'm told we're on the air. I don't know that to be true. But what I know is that I'm here and you're here. Mm-hmm. So we're, we are on the air, we're told. So welcome to the program. Thank you, sweetheart. It's been a really beautiful day just hanging out with you. Thank you very much for being such a sweetie pie. <laughs> Ladies, this is the day we have especially for you. So if you have any questions or calls, uh, if you need any encouragement at all from Paula, uh, just dial us one more time, 340-9585. Paula, before we go on, we've got uh, a call holding, so let's go to Alan on line one. Alan, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Arbor. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Alan. Thank you. Yes. Um, I had a question for you because you mentioned the ranks of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit before, and mm-hmm. there's a passage in uh, John... 14, where Jesus is uh, he's, he's, uh, uh, commending his disciples to, to the Lord. And there's one verse where he says, uh, For the Father in, in heaven, uh, my Father in heaven is greater than I. Mm-hmm. I wasn't dwelling so much on the ranks, but uh, when people ask me when I'm teaching Bible study and people ask me um, about uh, something about uh, authority and and uh, and Jesus asking, um, well, anyways, just based on that line, I just was going to ask you about that. Okay. No problem. I can do that. Alan, the, the answer to that question is found in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, certainly, I, and I, I've not heard the word ranks used, like uh, 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 the, the theological term subservience, but it's a voluntarily subservient, voluntary subservience. So uh, Philippians chapter 2 says, Paul encouraging us, our mind should be as, as Christ's mind, or we should have the same mindset or the same attitude, um, who considered equality with God not to be grasped. Now, clearly he had equality with God because he was God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all completely God. They're all completely equal. They're all completely powerful. Uh, They know everything. All of the attributes of God are present at all times in all three of them. However, when Jesus uh, took on incarnation, when he became flesh, um, he he let go of that standing. He, He did everything on this earth as a man. 
um, listening to his father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You remember in his baptism to kick off his ministry, the Spirit came down in the form of a dove. Um, so, so Jesus simply set his deity aside so that every minute of his 33 or so years on this earth, every minute of that time was spent as a human dealing with, with the things that he had to deal with as a human. Now, because he had no sin nature, of course, he didn't sin, but he just set it aside. So when he says, the Father who is greater than I, he also says that, I think, in John chapter 10, when he talks about we have, uh, he says, uh, uh, I have you in my hands, and the Father who is greater than I has you in his hands, and no one can snatch you, or King James uses the word pluck, no one can pluck you. Uh, He's talking about uh, positional greatness. In other words, he was completely under the authority of his father. He only did what he saw his father do. He only said what he heard his father say. Jesus, an amazing thing to consider, Alan, never had an independent thought. He never got up in the morning and said, you know, what do I think I want to do today? Everything he did was in submission to the will of his father. And, of course, he did that to demonstrate to us that we should do likewise. Now, we're not perfect. We, don't, um, we, we do have a sin nature, unfortunately. Uh, but that's all he's talking about. It's positional greatness. Uh, it, it is the perpetual um, subservience of Christ to the Father in terms of authority only, not, not in terms of greatness, not in terms of attributes. Uh, And certainly that is not the case now. There is no authority structure in heaven now. There's just different roles. So, Alan, I hope that helps. Does that make sense to you? Are you still with us? I think Alan hung up. Mm -hmm. Good question, Alan. Thanks very much. Keep teaching Bible studies. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, Paula, it's your show. What's on your heart today? Actually, when I saw Alan up there, I was thinking it was our Alan from Malta Medical. But then when I heard this gentleman's voice, I was praying that it was... Alan, your Muslim friend that we haven't heard from in a very long time. Different, different voice. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm praying that um, your Muslim friend would call again, and that um, he knows every once in a while. You probably pray for him all the time, but just every once in a while I pray for him. <laughs> but not that I, you know, it would just be awesome. Alan, hope you're listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Okay, for me, you know, I've been at home. A lot. <laughs> and, you know, for a couple of weeks, I was kind of whining. But then yesterday I sent an a, a, a encouragement to the leadership ladies of, I'm not whining anymore. You know, there's a purpose in all of these things. And so, and God will be glorified, and he is being glorified quite a bit, um, even in this pandemic thing. So, um, you know, I've been, been reading a lot, and... Um, I'm at the place where it says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. And that's in Matthew 9. And I'm going to read verses 35 to 38, where it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Isn't that what we want? We want him to heal every kind of disease and illness. Well, um, goes on to say, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, and this is, you know, I'm basically talking to, no offense to the rest of you, but um, as I was talking to the leadership ladies, I should have said this, but the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers into his fields. And so as I was um, thinking about this quarantine time, I used the word retreat. We had just come from our retreat. And so in this retreat time, um, you know, asking the Lord who is in charge of the harvest to send more workers into his fields. He got, I said, I got plenty of workers, but I'm kind of pulling them back and pulling them aside right now to do what, you're telling Calvary Chapel San Antonio to do is just be with Jesus. Grow up, toughen up, look up. And so in this time, praying to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, he says, look, I have enough workers, even though he wants more. But for those of us who are workers now, I need to prepare you 
for when we are all back together, for those when they come back to church who are just kind of maybe one foot in, one foot out, those who will be coming to church maybe for the first time because in this time they've had an opportunity maybe to think about where would they go if they die? Where would they go if they got the virus? Or there's more car accidents than there are people dying from. But um, what what would happen? And so for... uh, those of us who are his, just be with Jesus, grow up, toughen up, look up. He wants to prepare us. And last night we sang a song that that we can say to everybody, and it's come to the altar. And here's the verses. It says, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. And then we can say, because we know we have access to him, we can say to those who might say, you know, I really am. I'm just dumb, hurting and being broken, overwhelmed by the weight of my sin, and I've come to the end of myself. We can say, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness, my favorite thing about Jesus, forgiveness, was bought with the precious blood of Christ. We can say, Leave behind your regrets and your mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows, trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. And then once they say yes, we pray that they do, we can all say together, oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? So sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. And so, um, because he's granted access, and those of us, I, I, I think I say this, Polly, I don't know, especially when new people come, and I know I've said this before, when new people come into the church, you know, um, they might share, a lot of people just kind of tell me their whole story. I don't know. Is that a gift I have? <laughs> Is that a gift God gave me? Like, okay, who are you and and what's going on? And I get to look into their eyes and then sometimes people say, oh, everything is... I was like, no, what's the story? And then they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> tell me their story. And I'm able to say, oh, man, you're a mess, right? Yeah, I'm a mess. I know. It's okay. That's why you feel the love in this room. We're all a mess. We just know the one who takes our messes and cleans us up. Come on in, girl, or come on in, sir. You fit in here just fine. Um, we have access to the one who knows why we are the way we are. He loves us so much that he takes us just the way we are, but he loves us so much he won't leave us the way we are. And isn't that what you want is because you've come to the end of yourself. You've tried life your own way, and it hasn't worked out all that well. And so what do you have to lose? I bet you if you sit down here, now I don't know what Pastor Ron's going to say because he doesn't practice on me, but I bet you if you sit down <laughs> here and and just listen, you're going to hear Pastor Ron, even though it's, it's not really Pastor Ron, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through Pastor Ron. He's going to answer your questions. He's going to heal your heart. And you're going to be thinking, who told him about my life? Just wait and see. It happens so often. Just You want to sit in the front row with me? <laughs> sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. But, yeah, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. We're those workers, and we have the answer. The thing is, in this quiet time, quarantine time, retreat time, the Lord is telling us, be still, because I've got to beef you up. I've got to prepare you because the harvest is going to be plentiful and I'm going to bring them to you and I'm, I'm, I'm entrusting this mission to you. So will you be the workers that I can use? You know, Paula, the, um, the, the world goes around this, the, the government, essential and non-essential. I think when, when this is done, when this, things are open, people can come back to church, I think the world is going to find out just how essential the body of Christ really is. Mm-hmm. 
because there are going to be so many more people hurting. It has nothing to do with the virus. It's going to be that the, the, the life that they expected, everything that they worked so hard to build is all now crumbling down around them. Uh, just the damage that we've done uh, to, to hardworking people in this world. And I think even the hardworking people who always thought they were self-sufficient, you know, I can do this, I'll just work harder and stay longer. Uh, I, I think they're going to they're gonna wake up soon and find out, look, I, all the work I did, the best I could do, and here I am again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we weren't around for the 1929 stock market crash, mm-hmm. but, but we're facing something similar to that. And people are going to find out that they're, I always think of, of Jesus um, when... He was, uh, in John chapter 4, when he was uh, with the woman at the well in Samaria. Yes. And um, he, he sort of rebuked her and, look, you've been married five times, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Mm-hmm. And, and she ran back into town. Now, this is a woman that the townspeople didn't speak to, especially yeah. the women. Especially the ladies, yeah. And, and um, um, she said, come and see a man who told me everything about me. Mm-hmm. And, and the, 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 as Jesus was looking up, talking to the disciples. They were surprised he was talking to a woman and a Samaritan at that. Mm-hmm. And and he could see in the distance. And remember, everybody in that part of the world would wear like a turban. And so from a distance, as they were all running out en masse to, to come to see this man that this woman was leading him to, it would have looked like wind blowing a wheat field. And he would say again, hey, there's the harvest. It's ready. And you need to be ready. For the harvest, because here it comes, and he was seeing it in real time. I think, Paula, we're going to see it in real time, and we're going to see so many people who thought they had it together. They worked hard, and their hard work was blessed, and 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 yet they're going to find out that now there's nothing left of it. Yeah. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. And I don't know about women how they think, but we men, we turn forty years old, we don't think I, I've got the energy, the strength to start over again. What about now? What am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. And uh, where the church, we're going to have the, the the answers for those kind of people, and we do need to be ready for that. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of husband wife dynamic, right now, um, for the believing wife married to an unbelieving spouse who may be like you're talking, you know, I've worked all this time and um, now I have nothing. And she's still trusting in the Lord. Um, I'm going to talk to you ladies. You cannot fix him. You've got to grow closer to the Lord. You're those workers, but you've got to be so firm in the Lord. If you freak out, what? We don't have this. We don't have that. You know, what's it going to, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? Um, you're, you're not really staying close enough to Jesus. I've been there and I've done that. So this is like Christianity 101. Um, you've got to be so confident in the Lord. He will never leave you or forsake you. You're going to find out that maybe some of those things that you've wanted and you've had really aren't all that important, um, that you can really live without a lot of those things if it comes to that. Um, But you've got to be at this time so close to Jesus so that you can be your husband's biggest cheerleader. Not that you're going to fix him. Oh, honey, everything's going to be okay because you don't know that. But you got, he's got to know that you're going to be okay. That's how you're going to be able to help him and show him Jesus. And when he comes to the end of himself, we pray that sooner than later, um, then you'll be the one to say to yourself, for such a time as this, the Lord has put me in this position to be a helpmate to you and be his greatest encourager. Three four zero ninety five eighty five or toll free eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. If you have any questions or comments, Paula, um, a couple of things running th- around through my mind based on what you said. One is um, a lot of people out there um, are afraid. You know, they're they're afraid of this virus. They're afraid of the the, the, the panic that's out there. Fear is contagious, but they're 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 really they don't know what they really have to be afraid of. And then all of a sudden, even if this virus magically goes away, uh, they have to rebuild the ruins 
financially of their lives and certainly uh, the things that they've depended on, the, the, the routines that they have and the, the work that they've done. Um, and I think it's going to sneak up on people a lot. And um, that leads to the second thing. You know, I, I keep thinking, um, you, you mentioned wives married to unbelieving spouses. It works the other way around as well. Yeah. But here's the thing that we have to understand. Is it okay um, if it takes losing everything for your husband or your wife, your unbelieving spouse, to come to know Jesus? Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. And I think you've got a yeah, story you, you can know tell. That, you know, that's where we were. The Lord was saying, you know, Paula, after a while, because I'm kind of dense. You know, Paula, if I take everything from him, that means he's going to be poor, poor, poor. Yeah, And that, and that was you praying, Lord, whatever you have to do to run. Oh, yeah, whatever, takes, whatever it takes for him to be saved, you know. And sometimes, you, well, maybe it's just me. <laughs> you don't know what the whatever it takes entails. Um and and so I remember one day, just as clear as can be, the Lord saying to me, and it was on, I think, it was a, a Friday, because I would go to church on Friday and be home before you even got home from work. So it was a Friday after I got out of the bank, and um, the Lord was saying, you know, if I take everything from him, he's going to be poor. That means you're going to be poor, Paula. Are you okay? That was like before the kids went to school. And I didn't, I didn't answer that question of the Lord until maybe five thirty, six thirty that night. I just that just I had to consider, you know, my answer before. Not that the Lord wasn't gonna do what he had to do anyway, but um I had to be okay with it. I had to be okay with it. And uh I said, Okay Lord And it wasn't too long after that that we just lost everything. But I wasn't too long after that I got saved too. Wasn't too long after that you got saved. But I just remember uh, on the other side of being able to say, I never regretted it. It wasn't, oh man, we're going to lose our house. Oh man, we're going to lose all of ourselves. Oh man. I didn't say the old man until we were packing up to come to Texas. We're having that yard sale. Oh, man, that's my stuff. I'm going to leave it here, too. You know, kind of a thing. Uh, just for a brief moment, but has it been worth it? Yeah. Would I do it again? Yeah. yeah. Let's come do back. I want to? Nope. Let's come back to this in, in the context of prayer. When we get back, we, we're inside of four minutes, and I've got Federico on line one. Federico, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Gloria a Dios, bienaventurado. Is that the missus speaking? That's her. That's si, senor. Federico. I just I just did, yes, sir. Uh, and she just hit on a golden nugget right there, and it reminded me of what I don't know if you know about the Via Dolorosa, the, the, the path of sorrow that Jesus walked to Calvary, where he sure. suffered thirst and he suffered hunger and he suffered mockings and ridicule. Are we really willing to follow Jesus through the bad times like that? And if he didn't spare his son, how much more do we don't have to go through stuff like that? And even, mm-hmm. and, and I consider myself blessed to suffer for the cross and, and for Jesus Christ. And for no matter what happens, I know that I have a Savior and another life waiting for me. She is the, she hit him on a golden nugget right there. And I want to <laughs> read her, and, and, and uh, I want to bless her, and I want to uh, what you're the best in Christ Jesus. You have to, we have to, if we're willing to follow, are we really willing to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to follow that Via Dolorosa, that that, that, that walk of Calvary. Mm-hmm. And God so is re- going to bless us when we show ourselves faithful. Yeah. Thank you. Federico, one one of my favorite character studies in the New Testament is Simon of Cyrene on the Via Della Rosa. And uh, it's it's just a great thing to contemplate what it was like, a guy who who wasn't from Jerusalem. He was there as a converted Jew um, (laughs) just for the first time in his life at at his very first Passover. And all of a sudden, 
he finds a Roman spear thrust in his side, mm-hmm. and he looks oh, up and sees the beaten, bloody face of Jesus, mm-hmm. and and he's he's commanded to pick up the cross. And I always imagined Federico that Jesus would have looked at him with a way that would have said, "It's okay, it's okay, Simon. This cross is for you." And and he oh, was the one who carried the cross. And our job is to be modern-day Simon of Cyrene's. And for him, you talk about, was it worth it? For him, his two sons, Rufus and Alexander, became key figures in the first century church. On, so man. his whole family got saved. His whole family got saved. And I, I just I can't imagine what a great, great time it was. Yeah. Federico, God bless you. Thank you. You always bless us when you call. Yes, and Federico, for me... I hear you each time you call, and thank you so much for praying for my husband, my pastor, my friend. Thank you very, very much. God bless you. And we are praying your ministry. And can you imagine Simon walking into the kingdom of God? Oh, Oh, my goodness, yeah. (laughs) It's it's already happened for him. What a joy. Hey, we are out of time for the first half of the program. 30 minutes left, 340-9585. Or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life. The Date Day Show will be back in two minutes. Don't have time to call into the word to stand on for life? No problem. If you've got questions, you can email them to Pastor Ron at PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome, welcome back to the second half of our program. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's go to New Brunfels and talk with Alan on line one. Alan, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, this is Alan, who uh, does work in Malta. Hi! And and, uh, I have three things I wanted to share. First thing is, Mama Paula, I feel honored that you thought of me when uh, first Alan called. Mm. (laughs) You're welcome. Number two Alan. And Pastor Ron, uh, last evening, I, I'm loving this the study in Genesis, so you don't need to apologize if you go over. <laughs> That's what I tell them. Thank you, Alan. And the uh, third thing is, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going, two places I go nowadays is at home and, and Malta, and, when I, and one of the routines that I've started at home is... Uh, I'm I'm doing the study in Romans that you did in 2017. I wasn't coming to church then, and I'm just really loving it. Thanks. Uh, I, Romans has always been a very difficult book for me to understand, but you're you're just really opening my eyes to what talks about it. I appreciate that. Those are Thank the three you, things Alan. I wanted to share. Thank you, Alan. God bless you. I appreciate it very, very much. You know, Alan is one of those guys, and, and we I never tire of asking people for prayer for this, but Alan is one of our, our warriors on the line at at uh, Malta Medical. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually, one of his jobs now there is to take people's temperature before they go in, make sure they're not sick. Mm-hmm. He's there with the mask on, and and um, you know, he's, he's put himself right in the line of fire for this virus, as have all of our uh, medical first responders, whether they're emergency responders or we go to them, and we need to keep them in prayer. So let me selfishly ask our audience to pray for Alan and uh, Dr. Peter and Dr. Sheba and the whole crew, all of our nurses and staff and receptionists and, and uh, the people that minister down there. Um, you know, if if one of them comes down with this virus, then the work stops for a while because everybody else has to go into immediate quarantine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are getting saved there. Yeah. And that means if the door has to be closed, then, then that means somebody's not going to get saved that day. Mm-hmm. 
So um, please, please, please keep them in your prayers. The work that they are doing is heroic. We have a bunch of nurses um, and doctors in our church body who are putting themselves in harm's way every single day to minister to people. And and I think, Paula, when we get called back from this quarantine and, and it's okay to start going out in the world again, I think as believers, we've got to be brave. We've got to go out. We, we can't be so afraid. Oh, I don't want anybody to touch me. Um, you know, we'll make some changes. We won't do our meet and greet as vociferously as we've done it for, yeah. for Come quite on, some Mama, while. Paula, you got to keep your hands down. Even though you keep your heart open, keep your hands down. <laughs> but but we've, we've just got to um, be willing to suffer risk for the benefit of others who might be saved. It's just that simple. You know, the first century church um, knew that, that by sharing, they would be uh, in danger from, from physical punishment, prison, even death. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? They did it. They, they, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy of suffering for the name. And I think uh, we've, we've lost that sense of commitment in the modern church. And we've got to be willing to risk anything and everything just so that some get saved. You know, when Federico was talking about Simon uh, from Cyrene, his entrance into the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always imagine a, a corridor, and I'm sure it's not like this, but I always imagine a corridor, and as his name is announced, there's a standing ovation, you know, uh, because this is the one man in the history of the world who literally carried the physical cross of Jesus. One man. Mm-hmm. Well, we're commanded to pick up our crosses and carry them. And that means we can't hold back. Mm-hmm. And I don't know Mother Teresa's eternal state, but, but, but think about she was in harm's way every single day to minister to those that no one else would come near. Yeah. And, you know, as believers, we've got to be willing to sacrifice. No greater love this that a man laid down his own life. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've got to be willing to do. We, we can't be afraid. Let's go to San Antonio and talk with Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thank you for calling. You're on the air. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. We all are doing good, Jimmy. Country <laughs> <laughs> guy. I'm going to ask you, why did the gospel fill up in the Bible? Say it again, Jimmy, for me. The, the Gospel of Philip. And your your question is, why is it not in the Bible? Yeah. Um, the, the, the answer would be because God didn't write it. It's like oh. the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Barnabas and the Gospel yeah. of Mary Magdalene. They were, they were ancient works, but they weren't inspired by God. So, oh, okay. um, you, you know, one example, Jimmy, that I always point to is uh, we, we know in our Bibles we've got First and Second Corinthians. But prior to First Corinthians, there was another letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, the churches in Corinth, and uh, we don't have any record of that. Now, Paul is an apostle. He wrote it. He wrote the other two. Why don't we have First, Second, and Third Corinthians? Well, the, the answer to that question is the same. Paul wrote the first letter, God didn't. Then God wrote his reply through Paul in First and Second Corinthians. And so we, we've got uh, Philip and others who would certainly have chronicled their walk with Jesus, but they weren't divinely inspired at all. Now, some of them have um, great value for us. I don't mean... Uh, godly value, but the, but but the, the, there's there's really good information in there, and we get to look into the hearts of some of those authors. We also have to remember, however, that uh, the gospel uh, according to Philip doesn't mean that Philip, the apostle, wrote it. We don't know that Mary Magdalene wrote the gospel that's attributed to her, and certainly Barnabas would be the same thing. They were familiar writings in the first century, but uh, they weren't written by God. Does that help you? Yes, sir. Okay, Jimmy. God bless you. Thank you. Be careful out there. God bless. 340-9585. Paul, um, we don't have anybody on the line now, so I want to go back to that idea about praying. When when you prayed, um, Lord, whatever you have to do to save Ron, um, 
you know, you're, you're thinking, uh, and I'm not trying to get into your brain here, but you're thinking, okay, go, go fix him. Whatever you have to do, just don't let it affect me. And at that moment, you talked about the first half of the program today. God lets you know that all this stuff is connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to say yourself, when we were rich, it was easy being a Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, you could sort of uh, drink or whatever you needed to do to anesthetize the pain that I caused. But you had everything you wanted and, and more. Um, and, and you'd say, yeah, it's pretty easy being a Christian when you've got everything. Um, but there was that moment where, and I'm so grateful for this, that moment where God spoke so clearly to your heart. You know, if I take everything away from him, I have to take everything away from you. Mm-hmm. And that really was a wrestling match for you. Talk oh, yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely a wrestling match. I, was, I, was, I shared a couple of weeks ago, I like comfort, you know. I like comfort, and we at at one point we had so much money that I could stash money away in different places, and so much so that even when we eventually were poor, I had to try to remember where I had stashed some, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's real easy to be a Christian and and um, kind of be a a little arrogant. Like, what are what are y'all worried about? What what's going on with you that? You know, you can't just trust God. Well, come to find out, I wasn't really trusting God. I was trusting that I had some money in the bank. I was trusting that I I had a house and a husband who at the time was making enough money to, you know, make the 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 payment. It wasn't until I don't know how many checks started bouncing that it's like, uh oh, what's going on? Where the Lord was saying. I tried to get you ready, <laughs> um, and this is what you've been praying, whatever it takes. Well, whatever it takes is I'm going to have to take everything from him. This is how it's going to look. It was embarrassing. It was very embarrassing because um, at the beginning, I worked for a bank, and now I got checks that are bouncing. It was another bank, praise God, but what is going on? And then the Lord said, you know what, Paula? You have been working at a job that your husband didn't want you to work at. And so even in that time, he's having me to step away from that job. So we were going to be totally broke. Um, I didn't even have my little bit of money that I could bring in. The Lord said, you know why? You're counting on even that. And the pride was still there. So he needed to make sure that I had nothing but him to rely on. And it's like, okay, Lord. And I remember, I remember taking the bills one time, and throwing them all out on the, on the, not the living room floor, the dining room floor where the TV was, and saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm doing the best I can. I'm obeying you. What's going to happen with all these? I'm tired of these people calling, saying, you got to give me some money. You told me that this you're going to take care of me, so I'm just going to trust you. But man, was that hard. Yeah, it's way easier being a Christian when you can just write the check and pay for everything. I could go to the store and get what I want when I want it and didn't even have to tell you, you know, um, because you didn't miss it. Uh, And so to now be in that place where if I spent $5, it would be missed was horrible. But, man, how cool it is to know. That's what I was doing the other day. I was going through a list of how many times God provided at just the right time. At just the right time. Um, without Sometimes without me even, even praying, God will just send somebody or money would come in the mail from people. And it was like, the Lord says, did I not tell you? I have you. Okay, okay. Okay. And then to get to the place where the the bill collectors were calling me saying, you know, you've been faithful. Because I would pay a little bit all the time. You've been faithful. We're going to offer you to pay 10 cents on the dollar. I was like, really? Really? How long do I have to <laughs> get that done? And they're like, you just take your time, Mrs. Arbaugh. It's going to be okay. And all I could think of is God says, I will provide all that you need. It's it's mine, Paula. 
It all belongs to me. I'll take care of you. But yeah, man, but getting to that place was very difficult. We lost our house and we're living in the garage with people who were poorer than we ever, <laughs> we ever were. Um, well, it's not quite true. We were, we were pretty poor at one time too, but they were really poor and let us stay in their garage and they cooked for us. We get to use their house. I mean, just God says, I got you here too. Can I humble you? Enough, because if I can humble you, if you will be humbled, Paula, I'll be able to use you later. And man, I can't imagine what you were going through. Coming from nothing to being the guy back to nothing. What what was that like? I mean, that first <laughs> night at the at the at the house where we stayed in the garage, I wasn't there with you. I was still at your sister's house. Um they had more money than probably we did. Um, and so they had, like, I don't know how many bedrooms in their house, but the kids and I stayed upstairs. We had our own area. Um, but you stayed with my friend at my friend's house in their garage because of our dog, they, your sister, and they wouldn't have the dog in their house. Um, and so what was that like your first night? I don't want to think about it. No. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't know. I cried all night. And it was a detached garage. So I kind of figured I was safe. It's when the full weight of my sin hit me. Mm. Now, having just been saved and, and living with these horrible consequences, not really knowing Jesus enough to know what he was going to do, uh, I cried so loudly all night long that I kept the people in the house awake. Mm. And um, they let, they didn't tell me that for quite some time, but uh, but I kept them awake, and I remember crying out to God. I was so helpless, and and you know it would be really neat to be able to say you know Jesus appeared to me and told me uh, peace be with you, mm-hmm. do not worry. Mm-hmm. But but that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. He just left me alone, and brought me to a place where I recognized that the best I could do ends up like this. Then there's nothing I can do apart from Him. And in that way, Paula, it was a really, really good thing that I had to learn that the best I can do is never going to be enough. Um, I had to depend entirely on him because I'd already demonstrated that trying to do things on my terms never worked. Um, and, And it was just one of those things where you get to the place you're so low, you just say, there's nothing I can do. I have no solutions. I have no answers. But, but God, I'm yours. And as trite as this might sound, he met me literally every day. Um, and, and, you know, alone was hard because, because it, that, that's the time when all I could think about was the trouble. But um, I'd, I'd go out the next day. Uh, I think the most embarrassing thing for me uh, was when our, our older son, Ronnie, uh, who worked at a gym, bought us a gym membership so we'd have a place to shower. Mm-hmm. That was the hardest thing for me. My son, mm-hmm. who I had always taken care of, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, again, we had so much money that it wasn't, um, I mean, never considered it. Uh, and all of a sudden, in order to have a shower every day, I had to go to a gym. Uh, at this point, I was still uh, obese, the Lord hadn't really started speaking in my heart about getting my body in shape yet. Uh, and there just wasn't anything going for me, physically, spiritually, financially. And yet I knew I was in his hands, and he provided a peace that really does pass uh, understanding. Now, the reason I brought this up, Paula, is because I think this is what people are going to go through when life gets back to whatever the new normal is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think the, the government is sometime in the near future going to say, okay, uh, and, and it's just a matter of survival. They can't shut down the economy for too much longer. You can already feel the pressure building up. Mm-hmm. And I think that the world is just going to have to deal with, with the virus. At the same time, the, the countries, we're, we're too vulnerable. Um, we, we've got to rebuild, and that means people going back to work. And I think a lot of people aren't going to have anything to go back to. Um, and when there's nothing to go back to, they're going to grow frustrated 
and and recognize that the work of their hands was never enough. There was never any security. What once provided security can be gone in an instant. Yeah. And and I think God is going to use this to draw multitudes of people to him. Um, and we've got to be there to let him know that Jesus is enough. My grace is sufficient, he told mm-hmm. Paul. Mm-hmm. And we don't really believe that until we've experienced it. And I think God's going to bring a lot of us through this experience of, of, of making grace so real, so live, alive and so practical that um, we're going to find out what you and I found out, that life uh, being poor was richer by far than the life we shared as a, as a married couple before I got saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just every day, you know, you, we look for every day Jesus's hand. I mean, if we would take that focus and look for him um, to bless us, because that's what he loves to do. It's so, it's exciting. Okay, Lord, I remember working at the apartment complex and they weren't paying me, you know, for a long time. And we had needs mounting. And in fact, one of the girls told me the other day, you know, um, I've been furloughed. I just got furloughed. I'm like, oh, okay. She goes, but my bills didn't. I still got to pay rent. I still got to pay the utilities. And I, I, was, I, I remembered immediately, okay, Lord, same thing. Uh, they're not paying me, but I, I live here. And they can't. They don't really want to kick me out yet, but the electric bill still needs to be paid. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Kind of a thing. And invariably, the Lord would just show up and show off. Eventually, and I'm not. I don't want to just paint a picture of God's gonna drop a a big bucket of money on you and always take care of those things. But He's gonna. Let me interrupt for just a second. Okay. Be, because the truth is. God always dropped buckets of money on us. Mm. But they were little tiny buckets. <laughs> little tiny buckets. And they were always, from our perspective, late. You know, yeah, God's yeah. never early, but he's never late. Yeah. And uh, just enough to sustain us. Yeah. N- never enough to say, oh, take a deep breath and we can relax. Mm-hmm. Never that. Mm-mm. Even when we got the $100,000 at the church, the first time that we owed 98000 <laughs> Eight thousand and the two thousand. Somebody already had a need, you know, and so yeah, it's it's always like that. But isn't that the exciting part? You know, well, Lord, sorta, sorta, sorta. I know, <laughs> but you, there was one thing. One time you told me you said, and I have it written down on on a yellow legal pad paper somewhere where you said, Paula, the Lord told me that we will never have another need go unmet. That's what sustained me when we were three and a half months behind in paying our rent at the apartment complex. I kept saying, okay, Lord, because we sold the truck. So now I'm still cleaning at the apartment complex that they're not paying me. Um, And I'm going to each apartment saying, Lord, this is quite embarrassing. I'm Pastor Ron's wife. And look where we are. Everybody knows everybody's business in this apartment complex. You know that because there was our guy who lived downstairs. He was always in the office, and he was real tight with with everybody in there. So he knew who was and who wasn't able to pay their rent. So he would be looking at me like, mm, and you call you, you know, just kind of a look. <laughs> and I would just be saying over and over again, um, okay, Lord, you said, you said that we would never go without another need being met. So evidently, this is not the time, but I'm counting on you. I'm going to still clean as though you're there with me, but I'm not having a good day today. So, <laughs> But that's what sustained me. Let's take a phone call on line one. we got Paula's little sister <laughs> on line one. You are on the air, and unfortunately, we only have three minutes left. What's up? Hi. Miss you. Love you both. Oh, I wish I could hold you and kiss you right now. Me too. Hey, I have a, a, a question concern. Okay, so I've been praying for Christian marriages during this time because I've been hearing all these reports of the domestic violence. Okay, mm-hmm. so as quickly as you can, would you give words of encouragement and suggestions for couples 
like for date date day times and maybe ways um, that we can encourage each other. You know, the spouses can encourage each other while they stay at home during this time. Mm-hmm. And Thank I know you, you kind of touched on that a little bit um, earlier, but it's just really been on my heart. Okay. Thank you. We miss I you. I love you both, and we'll see our, our you love to Our love it. to the family. Okay. Thanks. Paula? Yeah. Well, you know, if your husband can see, <laughs> you can play board games or do puzzles. You know, reading the Bible together is great, but I know there you, there's other things that we want to do as well. Um, so sometimes Ronald turned to a Hallmark movie for me. That's only for me, and I appreciate it <laughs> very much because after a while you just get tired of watching, you know, Reruns of the of sport. Bowling. Of, of, of the Spurs when they lost. Manu, just make a free throw uh, reruns. But, yeah, get out. Go outside. Take a walk. Um, you Have a bike. Go bike riding. Uh, something. Uh, read a book. You know, you can read another kind of book other than the Bible, too. You read a chapter, he read a chapter. Or in our house... <laughs> I just read the chapter. Yeah, she does all. She does all the reading. <laughs> Let me say this, and and um, I, I miss you guys so much. But um, uh, as as vague as this is going to sound, you'll understand that it's not vague at all. Okay. What you need to do is just be with Jesus together. You know, we all need time alone with the Lord. But husbands and wives, especially in this time of quiet and isolation, where we're forced to be together, just be with Jesus together. Talk to Him. Share your heart with Him. Share your heart with your spouse. And um, the Lord is there. Thank you very much for the call. Please, again, tell your family we love them and miss them so much. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Date Day Show. This is Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.